Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Our new series, Way, Truth, Life, is an exploration of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Is it about belief or habits or something greater? Join us for the journey of grace known as discipleship. This morning we begin a brand new series called Way, Truth, and Life, and uh, this new series is actually uh, based upon a book provided by our general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene, Dr. David Busick. If you ever want to uh, buy this book, it's available on Amazon. You'll get it in two days. It's Kindle. You can get it immediately. Uh, it's a great book, uh, and I encourage you that, that if you're wanting to really get a full glimpse of everything that this series can be, uh, to purchase this and read along as we go along. But really what it seeks to do is to talk about discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's, we're going to take a good long while with this subject because quite frankly, discipleship is essential in our lives as believers of Jesus Christ. And uh, so... To really begin, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some experiences that I personally have had over a number of years. Uh, I was not married until my late 20s, so I traveled by myself for a number of years, whether it be to come home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whether it be for a a family get-together. Sometimes us, us pastors go to conferences and we would... I would travel for that. And you get on a plane or a train or some type of other public transportation, and when you're alone and you're an extrovert, you often talk to the person who's sitting next to you. Now, some of you are terrified at this prospect. If I was traveling, I would not talk to anybody. I'm here. Give me my book. Don't talk to me. You know, I know that some of us are like that, and I know that some of us are annoying like myself. And and so over the years, I would sit down, and I would have conversations with folks who I was sitting next to on the plane or the train or whoever it might be. And uh, oftentimes, it would start of, what's your, where where are you going? Well, we're going to the same place, but oftentimes there's other places within that area, right? Or there could be have a connection. And then we talk about what they're doing with, you know, leisure, business, that kind of a thing. And then we always get to the subject that we as Americans talk about so much. What do you do? What's your job, right? I mean, think about how many times you have met a stranger and you have asked them, or you have been asked, what do you do for a living, right? And I have met people of all, of all different kinds of uh, work. I've, I've met folks who work for corporations. I've met people who do trade work. I've met housewives. I've met retirees. I have met the whole gamut. But once you start that question, that question's going to come back to you. <laughs> and so they always ask, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And I'm not joking. I am not joking. I have never had a negative answer to whenever I share that I'm a pastor. It's not, oh, uh, I'm an atheist and I think you should, no, I have never heard that. I get one of three responses. Here are the responses. Ready? Yeah, I believe in God. Two, 
oh yeah, I go to church. Or three, I have been saved. Now here's the thing, okay? These three responses can mean anything. (laughs) When they say they believe in God, we have to really come to the recognition that the God who we serve as revealed in Jesus Christ and who continues to, to show himself through the Holy Spirit in the church is very particular, very different. But there are a lot of people who believe that they, they believe in that God, even though they have a completely different picture of who God actually is in their own mind. So if they say they believe in God, that could mean, well, it could mean... Yes, they believe in the same God, or they believe in a version of that God that actually isn't God. The second one, I go to church. (laughs) Folks, i got to tell you something. Going to church these days, to say that I go to church, might mean I went to church once last year, or once in the past five years. It could also mean that they go every single Sunday. And then the third one, I'm saved, which means that they have had a moment, an experience, where they started to believe in Jesus and ask for forgiveness and all of these different kinds of things. But they could have just had that one experience. Sometimes people do not take other steps after that experience. And that happens more often than ever before, especially in the past few decades with the rise of tele-evangelists, with the rise of high online, (laughs) you know? You can receive a message and pray to God from anywhere. But all three of these things do not necessarily mean that they are a disciple of Christ. Often I have a feeling that people share these three answers with me, so I don't sit there and evangelize to them. I think that's really what it's about. It's like, oh yeah, I got this covered. You, you don't need to convince me. Which, I'm, I'm not that person anyways to just sit there and say, let's have a very, very heavy theological conversation as, we're, as you're on your way to Disney World. Uh, <laughs> that's not necessarily within my character. But I think the reality of it is is that these different responses and what they could mean means that there's a lot of gray. Huh, I never noticed that this book is also gray. What the purpose of this series is to really lay out an understanding, a picture, a life of what it means to be a disciple. So that you and I have zero doubt as to how we are called to live in this world. That believing in Jesus isn't the only thing that we are called to be. And so, today, as we begin this series, we will look at an account in the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles or your apps, you can turn to them. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. It will also be on the screen for you if you didn't bring anything. We read from the Common English Bible. It's a little bit different than a lot of other uh, churches, but it really begins to, it really is a great translation for our English. You know, there's multiple Englishes. You know that, right? You know? Remember the these, thous, and thines? How many of you use that word whenever you're talking to your neighbor? You don't. (laughs) So this helps us really understand uh, what the scriptures are trying to speak. 
And as we read this account, I want you to just take note of the different people and the specific words that are said whenever they talk to each other. Because within it, you will see really how discipleship starts. So here we go. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples of John, let's be very clear, these are two disciples of John, heard what he said, and then they just got up and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. He led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Did you catch where different people are in life and some of the particular things that they said? That's what's really interesting about this passage. You have John, who is this prophetic preacher and who has a following and is also the cousin of Jesus. And he says one day as Jesus is going by, that's the Lamb of God. He points to Jesus. He is saying something about Jesus. And now, if you're unfamiliar with first century Judaism, which all of these folks are Jews, they are waiting for the Messiah. And so whenever he says, the Lamb of God, he is saying a very, very particular thing that means a whole slew of things. And what happens? He loses disciples. <laughs> we don't often think about that, but that's exactly what happens. Two of his disciples get up and go after him, who he has said is the Lamb of God, who they are finding out is the Messiah. They have made a decision after receiving that proclamation. Go see what this guy is all about. And when we talk about a time of prayer and experience of God, when people say, yeah, I believe in God, or oh, I am saved, or oh, I have asked forgiveness, this is sort of a similar starting point. When you begin to recognize that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world, the one who has come to die for our sins and to raise again from the dead, to defeat sin in our lives, but also death, in our lives, you are making a decision to believe that about Jesus. And that's exactly what these disciples do. And that really is, from our perspective as humans, the starting point to becoming a disciple. It is a decision to say that about Jesus is true. Gail O'Day says this, the decision to be a disciple is inseparable from the decision one makes about Jesus' identity. 
as each new disciple comes to Jesus, the decision to follow Jesus is made in response to his statement about Jesus' identity. And again, I need to be very clear because there's going to be a sermon in the next few weeks that will challenge this. This is from the human perspective. Okay? From the human perspective, becoming a disciple starts when you say, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Christ. And that's exactly what these two disciples do whenever John says, it's the Lamb of God! So they follow after him. They're already willing to call him rabbi, teacher. That's a big step. And Jesus asks them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And what I love about this moment is that these two, these two now Jesus disciples do not ask, are you really the Son of God? <laughs> they don't ask that question. They don't ask, um, how do I get to heaven? <laughs> they don't ask, God, why did you make, or, or Jesus, why did you make mosquitoes? They're very annoying. It's okay to laugh at that because we do not like mosquitoes. It's very scary. Over in Howland, there was a West Nile mosquito, all of these things, you know. Why, God? Why mosquitoes? I digress. The <laughs> they don't ask any of these questions about the world or how it works or to be asked for forgiveness or how to get into heaven or any of these things that often we come to Jesus about. They ask, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And right here, we receive something amazing. We recognize that believing in Jesus means that we are looking to be in Jesus' presence. That is what they are asking for. Hey, teacher, where are you going to be? Because where you are is where I want to be. Some of you have Dave Matthews flashing through your mind right now. Where you are is where I want to be. They are looking to be in Jesus' presence. They're not looking for forgiveness. They're not looking for what's the purpose of life, how to get into heaven. They are looking for Jesus himself. Jesus so kindly says, hey, come and see. In other words, come on. Come along if you want to. Friends, discipleship is something that means, or is something that we need to recognize isn't just about receiving Jesus as a Savior and making it to heaven. It is a journey that seeks to be in Jesus' presence continuously. It is something that Jesus invites us to. It is something where we look to receive His presence and His grace and His gifts continuously over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because Jesus, after all, is a gift. 
Jesus as the Son of God is a gift. We don't believe in a God who hangs out up in the, up in the clouds and is looking to smite us. Rather, our God loves us and comes and dwells among us. He gives himself. And with himself comes forgiveness of sin. With Jesus comes the defeating of death. With Jesus comes hope and joy and peace and love. And so discipleship is looking to be in Jesus' presence continuously. Receiving His gift. Receiving His grace. That's what grace is. Anytime that you see the word grace, think about this. It is unmerited favor. It is a gift that you don't deserve. So a discipleship is a journey of receiving the gift from God that is the Son of God, Jesus, continuously. And so, they go with Jesus. They spend the rest of the day with Him. And in fact, quite frankly, they will spend the next three years with Him. And throughout these three years that Jesus does His ministry, He will teach them. He will give them new insights and new gifts and new grace. But He will also give to them commands. You see, it's really cool to hear Jesus say, come and see. Come and see. But it's one thing to see Jesus. It's another thing to follow Jesus. Because that come and see will become follow me. And you know what that follow me will become? It will, it, follow me will become you, you my disciples, will be this. Because later on, Jesus will discuss who they are and how they are to be in the world. And then lastly, that you will be will become a go and do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go giving Go with the Spirit living in this new way. And each and every one of these commands require sacrifice. To go and follow somebody means that you have to stop following the other things that you've been following the rest of your life. To hear that you will be something means that you must Leave the identities that you have had behind and allow them to be transformed by him. When he says to go and do, it means that you will have to be intentional about your time to do the things that Jesus has said. You will have to give up so much to be a disciple of Jesus. Following Jesus is not an extended spectator sport. It doesn't stay at come and see. It always moves to the next. Friends, if, if you're not getting what I'm trying to share with you is that discipleship is a whole life thing. It is something that is for the rest of our lives. It is a journey of looking to be in Jesus' presence and receiving his gifts and living out his life continuously. James K.A. Smith says this about discipleship, and this is an amazing picture, and I hope it sort of 
sort of transports you into maybe a different way of looking about how to follow Jesus. This is, what he, this is how he describes discipleship. Discipleship is a kind of immigration from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. In Christ, we are given a heavenly passport. In this body, we don't, become, we don't go right to heaven, in this body, we learn to live like locals of his kingdom. Such an immigration to a new kingdom isn't just a matter of being teleported to a different realm. We need to be acclimated to a new way of life, learn a new language, acquire new habits, and unlearn the habits of that rival dominion. Old habits die hard. Amen? But when you hear that, you come to the recognition that this is a journey, a process. That as you and I look to open ourselves up to Jesus, Jesus helps us unlearn things and learn new things. Speak, we stop speaking in certain ways and begin speaking in other ways. Stop relating with other people in these old ways and begin to live in love with other people continuously. So you and I are called to embark on this journey, friends. You and I are not just called to one day come to an altar and pray for the forgiveness of sins and that be it. You and I are not called to just believing in God and beginning to shape God in our own desires and say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. You and I are not just called to come to church. You and I are called to a new life in Jesus Christ. You and I are called to live in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says and calls himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so many people like to talk about whenever Jesus says this, that it's all about Jesus saying, I'm it. I'm the exclusive way to knowing who God is and to receiving who God is. And you know what? That's true. But it's also bigger than just the exclusivity factor. He is saying, I am the way that you are to live. I am the truth that you are to embrace. I am the life that you can have. The way Jesus lives is the way you and I are called to live as disciples, followers of Jesus. And for us to live like him means that we have to open ourselves and make an effort. But also, we will receive Christ every time we open ourselves to him and the gifts that he gives. Discipleship, as the tagline says, is a journey of grace as we become more like Christ, living out his way, his truth, and his life. When I was younger, in fifth and sixth grade, 
in church, we called fifth and sixth graders preteens. Because they have all the angst of teenagers and all the energy of two year olds. <laughs> preteens. <laughs> and uh, my wife right now is teaching all sixth graders. So she is encountering the blessings of sixth graders right now. I personally love sixth graders. I personally love fifth graders. I love the energy that they bring. I love their willingness to be open and to learn. Once they hit high school, they all of a sudden become smart Alex, and you're like, blessings. <laughs> but fifth and sixth graders, they're, like, they're looking to you to share with them something new. They are con they're just sponges continuously. But because they are so energetic, it's very difficult to get them to focus. It's very difficult to, to really speak to them and things like that. Most people in church don't like to hang out with fifth and sixth graders. <laughs> but when I was a fifth and sixth grader, there was a particular guy in our church. His name is Jim. And he led the fifth and sixth graders. Now, you need to understand that Jim was in his late 40s to early 50s. He had dealt with fifth and sixth graders already, and they were gone. <laughs> and yet, he said, I feel called to spend and invest time in these fifth and sixth graders. Again, most 50-year-olds 50, 50 do not want to spend time with 50, 50, fifth and sixth graders. And he would accept us and be patient with us, and teach us about Jesus, and play games with us, and, and just continuously offering himself to us as fifth and sixth graders. I loved him so much, and still to this day, I love seeing Jim. Jim was a very important part of my life to follow Jesus. But what I want to share with you about Jim is that Jim understood that this life is a journey with Jesus. He recognized this because I saw Jim go through one of the worst circumstances of his entire life. You see, Jim had an amazing wife named Marcia. She also helped with NASPAC, and she was also incredibly giving. But Marcia, when I was young, received the news that she had aggressive breast cancer. And I remember our church gathering around her and praying and just continuously praying, asking for a miracle and all these different kinds of things. And you know what happened? She went into remission. And I remember myself as a young preteen teenager thinking, oh, yes, this is God working, amazing, and things like that. And then a year later, cancer came back. And she died shortly thereafter. 54 years old. She actually died September 10th. I was reminded of that on Facebook this past week. And I remember, because Marcia had spent time with me as a 5th and 6th grader, being incredibly sad. I remember myself in that moment asking questions and wondering and doubting and all these different kinds of things. 
But what was amazing about Jim is that Jim leaned into Jesus more. And Jim never stopped serving others. He never stopped what he was doing at church, even though he did that ministry with his wife for so long. He leaned into Jesus and continued to be a a presence of Jesus in my life. A presence of Jesus in our church's life. A presence of Jesus in our community. Friends, discipleship is not this everything's taken care of. There are big lows in discipleship. But the difference is, is relying upon Jesus and being in His presence and continuously opening yourself up to Him allows us to go through these times differently than we would have otherwise. See, Jim understood that this is a journey of grace and he continuously, to this day, relies upon God's grace in his life to do all kinds of things. I don't think he does preteens anymore. I'm pretty sure what he does now, if I'm remembering correctly, he leads the food pantry at my home church in Warren, Pennsylvania. And that's not an easy job. That's, that's, like, that's like a part-time job. Taking in, organizing, being there for giveaways. I know that he still to this day works within the church for these kinds of projects, whatever is needed. And I know that he is a person of love. Because even after losing Marcia, he remarried. And his marriage is blessed in this new marriage. But he also loves everyone around him. And the reason I know this is because my sister lives right next to Jim. And my niece, Leah, I love you if you're watching this, but you are full of energy, child. And she is a very, she's an extrovert. And she'll walk over to Jim's house, and Jim always has time for my niece. Pointing to Jesus and sharing life with my young niece. See, Jim's relationships with others continue to be strong in that love that Jesus calls us to be. Because he is He moved past come and see. He moved past follow me. He moved past you will be. He moved past go and do. In fact, He does all of these things continuously as He shares Christ. Like John the Baptist said, there goes the Lamb of God. Jim says, here is Jesus. And Jesus shows who He is through the presence of Jim and everybody he meets. Friends, Jim is an inspiration to me. And I hope that whenever you hear that kind of faith, that kind of life, you right now are saying, I want that. That's the kind of life that I want to be. The kind of life I want to live. Jesus is saying, come and see. All you have to do is follow him and start this journey. For he calls us to a lifelong journey of grace that changes everything in our lives for the better.
Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.